Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Gospel According to Mark podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking about love's opposite. As always, if the episode inspires you or really speaks to your spirit in some type of way, be sure to share it with a friend and stay tuned for further episodes. As we read through the word today, be sure to pay close attention to how love is described. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'll begin reading at verse 1 and end at verse 7. If I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I owned, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. God is love. God proved that love is word put into action when he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for us for the forgiveness of sins, that whomever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It wasn't aimed at people who are staunch believers, who are in mass or at church every Sunday, and they give all sorts of things to the church, or to the person that occasionally attends church, or to the non-believer. He came as a ransom for not many, but all. And it's our choice to either share in that love or turn that love away. So to get back to today's topic of what is love's opposite, I believe that love's opposite isn't hate. Although it's like we obviously have this understanding that love's mortal enemy is hate. You know, I I don't know, you might as a kid you thought that oh the devil is hate and then God is love and then you would draw like a little stick figure and that's supposed to be God and then you know, him stepping on Satan. (laughs) But yeah, sorry, I digress. But to say this, I think that love's true opposite is lust. Upon reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, God bless St. Paul, the apostle. Amazing guy. Uh, He's just, he writes so well. And all of these things are just so applicable to everyday situations. So um, if you're ever struggling, just go ahead and open up some of the these epistles. They're very helpful. But to get back to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, as I was reading it, I was really looking at it and analyzing it, and something really came up because as I was reading it, I realized that lust is really the exact opposite of what love stands for. While love is patient and love is kind, it's also not rude and it doesn't seek its own interest when we see other people and you know it might be a pretty lady or a handsome guy 
And we, instead of saying, God, thank you for their beauty, and leaving it at that, we tend to obsess or compulse over looks, instead of seeing the person as God's child, or my brother and sister in Christ, as I said with chastity in an earlier episode. It's an integration of body and soul, seeing other people as people and not as objects. So when we're talking about lust, how disgusting is use? Slavery was all about use, exploiting others, using them instead of seeing them as human beings, as children of God. Many people in power use their influence to seek their own interest. They don't do it for the betterment of other people around them. When we see lust in so many different forms, obviously, sexual sexual lust is the most common because that's what it's uh, simulated with, you know, the keeper of lust. The, uh, the red lady with the, um, you know, black whatever but (laughs) yeah let's let's not release any spirits up in here but um there are so many different forms of lust you know the lust for power the lust for food gluttony um pride all of these things kind of fall back to the root of i know what you want but i'm going to do what i want anyways so when we're paying attention to how we act we need to really analyze how we're carrying out what we're supposed to be doing. Are we acting in love? Are we acting in charity? Are we staying true to our faith? Are we doing things in the flesh or are we doing things in the spirit? Because it's always one or the other. God will never ask us to do anything that gratifies the flesh. He always wants us to stay in the spirit and act as his branches, right? As his leaves. He's acting through us. We're not acting for him. And lust seeks its own interest. It's the opposite of what God wants us to do, what God wills us to do. But since we have free will, we choose to do other things. And by choosing to do other things, we get caught outside of the circle of God's love. And we tend to run from it. That's what lust is for. That's its purpose. Its purpose is to root out all means of love so that when we get into relationships or then when we try to cultivate lasting and appropriate friendships, it doesn't work. Lust is the enemy or adversary of love. What it does is that it seeks to destroy our true cognition or understanding of love that's what it seeks to do so that when we are attacked with lust and we're caught in the circle of lust how are we supposed to escape and how are we supposed to better ourselves so that's why whenever i see a nice looking woman or i see one of my or i'm talking to one of my friends and you know they look very good that day i say god Thank you for her beauty. And that's it. That's all I say. 
And in that moment, I acknowledge that, well, you know, lust is right here, right by me, and it's saying, do it, do it, right? So by saying this, I'm able to redirect this problem to God and give the burden to him and acknowledge that this attack is here right by me right now. But instead of objectifying my peer or this, you know, child of God that I don't know their name, I say, God, thank you for this beautiful creature that you've created, but I'm not going to give in to the temptation of objectifying them because they are my brother or sit and pause. They are my sister in Christ. <laughs> I was about to use that term, but it was the wrong situation. I digress. Um, so we're talking about love and lust. And as I continue to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I pay close attention to the different forms of lust. Lust sees a human being as parts or things that they can use, whether that be through labor or whether that be through, you know, any other type of sexual fantasy or exploitation matter. Lust sees parts and doesn't see a human. So when we get caught up in all of these emotions and all of these things, we're blinded to the love that God has given to us. We're blinded of key factors that help us get through our days, right? When things are looking hard, we can always fall back on the love that God has for us. The love that wants us to give our burdens to him so that we can praise and rejoice on come Sunday because he's helped us get through the week, right? But lust preys on having us numbed, right? Maybe buzzed. Having us unaware to the tools that we have at our disposal. The burdens that we can give away. Instead, it packs on these burdens. And it gives us like sunglasses that just block out all of the good and all of the love that God has showered us with. So when these things come together and they try to work against us, it can be really hard to get outside of the circle of lust, right? Because lust is powerful. It's one of the seven deadly sins. And meaning that it's a seven deadly sin, that it can lead to destruction, if not kept in line. But there are ways to escape it. When you're under attack, be sure to pray be sure to ask God to rebuke the spirits that are trying to attack you at the moment. When you see something that might rattle you, like a, a billboard that says something inappropriate, or you're listening to a song and then you feel yourself like, you know, kind of, whoa, what's going on, right? <laughs> Maybe just turn that song off and put on some, you know, Christian or gospel type music. Be sure to read your word because it's nourishment for your soul. And just pay attention to these different things that get you feeling like you might be lustful. There might be a show that you watch on Netflix and that show might prey on your insecurities or maybe your loneliness. I don't know. Maybe anything that you feel and then a certain scene comes on and then you end up acting out 
like you shouldn't act out. Or maybe you go by a friend and you really like them or you go by your girlfriend or boyfriend and then things start to kind of escalate and since you're not prayed up, you might be walking into the flesh and then something unexpected happens. There are many different ways that lust operates. Lust seeks to destroy. That's what all of the seven deadly sins do. They seek to buzz our senses of God's love. Again, instead of seeing people, we see parts. And it's really sad because when I think about lust, I mean, at the root of it, that's what we're doing. We're dumbing people down to not even people, but rather parts. And that's just sad and unfortunate. But there are so many different things we can do. We can talk about it. We can pray about it. We can spread God's word about it. And we can get educated so that when we are attacked ourselves, we know how to deal with lust. And we know how to combat God, uh, excuse me, love's opposite. So that when we're enticed by money, when we're enticed by um, notoriety or power or fame or fortune, all of these things that kind of lead back to use, we're able to take all of them with a grain of salt and know that they can lead to an ultimate downfall. Love never fails, and God is always here to give us his love and help us out when times are hard. He never gives us, and he never allows Satan to give us too much to the point where we can't handle it. He's always in our corner, and he always wants to help us. So if you are struggling with lust in any form, be sure to pray about it, talk to a trusted friend about it, um, you know, get help if it's something, like, really bad, but just make sure that you're aware of the things in your life that may be leading you to give into the lust for food give into the lust for power or give into the lust for sexual desire and not sexual desire itself because sexual desire is good but you know lust sexual desire pay attention to these things and be sure to root them out of your life or lives because by doing these things you're able to become a better christian and a better person because instead of using people and loving things, you're loving people and you're using things. And Father, how grateful we are that we were able to come together and reflect on not only how our society has conditioned us to use other people, but also how your love is so much greater than any use that could ever be normalized. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you and reflect on our attacks and our daily struggles and read your word. We thank you for this word and we thank you for all the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Continue to deliver us from lust and continue to show us your unending love. We pray. Amen.
that's the end of this episode. I hope that you were able to get a better understanding of how lust is the exact opposite of love and how love is so much more powerful than anything that you could ever deal with. God shows up for us in many ways and he doesn't plan on leaving us. It's only when we deny him and run away from him that all of our troubles seem to stack up and become too much to bear.